attacks of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. With me today, as always, is my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, everybody. And we have a third person in our party today. As always, the lovely Katie McCarthy. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're <laughs> going to be... Uh, the reason I brought Katie on the show is so she can hate on Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Yeah, or that's not actually the case. Uh, but uh, Katie's Katie's hatred for that game is <laughs> legendary and well known, and she'll get a chance to briefly voice it when we discuss um, the upcoming Final Fantasy fifteen multiplayer, <laughs> which uh, is apparently going into beta next week, and we'll get an opportunity to play. Katie has also been playing Metopia, which is another game that um, has not exactly been like she hasn't exactly been enjoying. <laughs> Uh, we'll be talking about Pyre and Transistor, which is the super giant games, because uh, Pyre, I, I think Pyre just came out. Yep. Yeah. Not Tuesday. Yeah. Pyre just came out. And um, we're also going to be taking a look back. We're going to be going back in time to a game, one of my absolute favorite games, one of my absolute favorite RPGs, and that is The World Ends With You, which yes. turns 10 years old today as of this recording. Oh, Lord Jesus. Yeah, I cannot believe that. That is utterly terrifying. <laughs> it's utterly terrifying for me to think about the fact that I lived in Japan 10 years ago at this time. Um, but I digress. Yes, we're going to dive into that game. But first, okay, so I, I already mentioned it, but Final Fantasy 15 is getting a multiplayer mode. This is a thing that we've known for quite a while now. I honestly It's going forgot. into beta. <laughs> And I'm just really curious, like, what do you guys make of this? Like, what do you guys make of the fact that they're trying to shoehorn a multiplayer thing into this? If you take the world's smallest kitten and you divide that kitten in half and then you divide those kittens in half and you kept on going and going, that would be the the breadth of how much I care about multiplayer in Final oh. Fantasy XV. <laughs> so I feel like the one charm of Final Fantasy XV is that it's like a road trip. Mm-hmm. And I can see like them putting multiplayer in that to try and like capture that, but like with friends this time, not just solely like on your own, as being like kind of a smart idea. Like they they kind of know what the ap- the biggest appeal is of that game, but I don't know. Like like what is it just like gonna be the same open world? Like it's like padding that out, and like you can't just kind of throw multiplayer into a game that was like very single player. You know? Yeah, it's, exactly. Like, like, I'm really interested to see, like, how it's going to work out. <laughs> uh, and also, there's going to be character customization, which just seems kind of... Like, it makes sense. But I almost feel like it would have been better if they were just, like, controlling the regular party. I don't know. Like, to keep in line with that game. Because then it's just, like, bordering on, like, MMO territory, like Final Fantasy XIV. I don't know. So here's the thing that I'm kind of wondering. I am wondering how the battle system is going to work because mm-hmm. such a large portion of Final Fantasy 15 is that you're supposed to be working as a team. And what that amounts to mostly is you get behind an opponent and that that you can do a blind sight and then you can do a combo link with your various team members, right? Mm-hmm. And then each one of them has their own ability and 
you build up the bar, whatever, you use the ability. Well, how is that going to work with your friends? I'm wondering, like, I guess maybe, like, if you're in a party with somebody, um, like, maybe that will activate the links if you get behind them, like, automatically, even if they're, like, kind of far away. I don't know. Or if they're nearby. It is a mystery. <laughs> it does seem a little messy, doesn't it? It really does. And let's face it, as much as I love Final Fantasy XV, it's a messy game to begin with. <laughs> So let's not pour more dirt on this. It's being held together by chewing gum and and rubber bands. Let's not fuck with it. (laughs) I mean, but they're determined to. I mean, the only reason for them to turn this into a multiplayer thing, I think, is to introduce macro, like, to continue to push microtransactions Mm. and make this, like, something akin to a platform that will continue making them money. Unfortunately, yes. Making up all that money that they lost over the course of, like, 10 years of development on Final Fantasy Versus 13. Oh, gracious. Yeah, I think you're right. And um, I, I'm really of a mixed mind about that, because I do like the universe, I do like the characters, but there's only so much time I want to spend with them. Uh, I mean, we're getting episode Ignis in December, which I'm genuinely interested in, but after that, it's like, okay, guys, I, I, I've played this game, I've had fun, uh, let's see what else you have for me. I, I guess we'll see. Um, it could be interesting, so... This is the thing that I will say maybe in its favor. Um, Like there could be a kind of fun uh, co-op Monster Hunter aspect to it, Mm -hmm. I suppose. Yeah. Um, But I think that they would have to continue to build on the actual battle system uh, to make it a little more in-depth because as it stands, like the battle system now isn't particularly deep. Like mm-hmm. you have all the characters have their kind of own abilities, right? Like Gladio has his own thing, which you see in the battle system. Like Prompto has the guns, mm-hmm. which you see in his DLC. So I suppose if you bring all of that together and add in some more classes, you could potentially have something going on, but like particularly episode prompto and episode and the rest of the game just feels so different that it's hard to imagine how all of them work together (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's kind of it like who gets to play uh prompto who gets to play noctis like they all have very different styles yeah and like noctis like teleports around the stage yeah that's the thing you can do i just eh? (laughs) yeah yeah like the only way i could see is being like i i see them just doing like everyone's kind of like noctis which almost does, like kind of feels like it defeats the point you know it's like everyone's just the same like i can totally see that being how it shakes out which is there should be I don't a- know, maybe i mean maybe hopefully it's more complex and deep than that but i don't know like that would also require a lot of work like building these playable characters and classes and whatnot yeah but, like, everyone's Noctis. He can have a blonde Noctis. He can have a, a black-haired Noctis. He can have a red-haired Noctis. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> Super Saiyan 4 Noctis. Um, the other thing is that Final Fantasy XV, uh, on the whole, was kind of easy. Mm-hmm. Mostly because it was very, very, I would say, forgiving in terms mm-hmm. of, like, if you died. Like, if you go down, you can have a potion, and if you go down even further, like, if you're dead, you can still Phoenix down yourself. <laughs> I forgot about that. I'm just picturing yeah. a dead body throwing flowers on them, or feathers on themselves. <laughs> um, that was my Phoenix down noise, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, you can come back to life. So, as a result, I think I only died once in my entire playthrough of Final Fantasy XV, which kind of came closer to the end. 
And it became just a matter of like, oh, just keep throwing items at me. And that doesn't seem like a terribly compelling uh, thing to have in a multiplayer game. Yeah. But then again, in most multiplayer games, like somebody gets knocked down, you can run over and like pick them up. So that aspect can work well into it. Mm. I don't know. I, I think the biggest advantage of this maybe is that it'll get them to continue building out the, the battle system and maybe make it something legitimately interesting. Yeah. Um, now that I'm playing Final Fantasy XII, uh, Zodiac Age, I'm getting more and more fond of that battle system. Although that's also mm-hmm. a game that's kind of forgiving as well. But um, I, I was really kind of, it felt awkward to me at first, but then I, I really started to, to gel with it. Yeah. All right, Katie, you can do your 30 seconds of hate for Final Fantasy <laughs> Three minutes now. hate with, eight with Katie. I, I've already deleted it off my hard drive like a long time ago, so I don't think this multiplayer DLC is going to bring me back. But, I mean, I'm interested to see how it is. Like, it's a really interesting idea, but I don't, it's also like a really bizarre one. Like, it's like, I, I just don't, I don't know how it's going to work out. Hopefully well. But, you know, I guess that's my 30 seconds of hate. It's like, <laughs> I probably won't play it again. Katie's that all hated 30 out. seconds of hate. That was, that was like, uh, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Though, <laughs> I mean, that is a pretty st- strong statement that you scoured it from the earth. <laughs> so that you wouldn't have to play it again. Yeah, so. that's usually a good indicator. Even though sometimes you're like, oh, I have to free. I just have to free some space from my hard drive. But there's always a game that you have to think in your back of your mind: who is going to die? Who is going to be on the list? So always oh, fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I deleted it. Is like I had to make space, and then I was like, yeah, I don't. I literally am never going to play this again, too. So whatever. <laughs> Katie and I have had quite a few arguments about what was it. <laughs> Both the merits of Final Fantasy thirteen and the ver- the merits of Final Fantasy fifteen, and I think you're pro Final Fantasy thirteen, Katie. I don't hate thirteen. Ew. I don't think it's the best game ever or anything. It's okay. She fine. she is pro Final Fantasy thirteen. Like it's, it's not saying it's, it's the worst game ever. <laughs> it's uh, I I like the characters in it, and the story's kind of wacky and weird. Um, I feel like it, I liked it. I still have problems with it. Like, it's really linear, but also mm-hmm. it's, like, really pretty. And I feel like the story and characters kind of kept me going as opposed mm. to, like, if it was more open. I don't know. I, I don't hate... I feel like 13 gets, like, a lot of flack for, like, kind of stupid reasons when it's, like... I mean, all Final Fantasy games are kind of, like, stupid in a way. Like, <laughs> I don't know. When Not you get six, down damn to it. it. I've never played six still, and I need to. Oh, it's, you'd like, better. That's, it's all my backlog forever. <laughs> <laughs> Six and four. Well, four is kind of stupid, well, but in a lovable way. Well, the SNES Classic is coming out soon, so you can think about how you would totally play Final Fantasy VI if you could actually get a hold yeah, well, of yeah, an really. SNES Classic. Yeah, I mean, they cancel all those Walmart pre-orders, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to start giving you homework soon, just like I gave Nadia homework. <laughs> yeah, I got homework. You got to do homework, too. It's only fair. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, yeah, the Final Fantasy 15 uh, Comrades DLC online test will be starting on August 3rd and will continue through August 8th. And we will have <laughs> some impressions of how we're thinking of this. Um, at the very least, I'm going to make some really weird avatar, I hope. You better give me an opportunity to <laughs> make the weirdest friggin' avatar. Yeah. Okay, that could be a saving grace. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I love good character creators. That's the one, because, like, what the picture showed of the preview of the beta or whatever, 
did not look very great. And I was like, I, I mean, don't want wacky hair. I don't want bald. Like, what's going on here? Why is he a gas station attendant? Yeah, it's just like, it's kind of bummy. I was like, is this what it's going to be? I feel like it's part of the fun of Final Fantasy games. Like, they look crazy. I mean, but the other outfits are like, is that a knight's uniform? <laughs> I feel like Final Fantasy 15 is so disjointed that you can put literally yeah, anything, anything into it. Yeah. So you got a gas station attendant versus a knight. Yeah, whatever. Why not? <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. I've known yeah, some pretty cares? badass ga- uh, gas station uh, attendants. They could probably <laughs> kick my ass. <laughs> probably. And, I mean, come on, this is Final Fantasy. You, you'll totally be able to get the Nomura-style hair and all that stuff. Yeah, that's all. That's all I really want is to design my own hair in a Nomura game. Okay, Katie, you have been revealing, reviewing Metopia, mm-hmm. which is a. Let's see. You described it as what a like thirty, forty hour game that has maybe five hours that just keep repeating over and over and over again. Oh, geez. Yeah. So. To, pref- to like preface this, I really love Tomodachi Life. I think Tomodachi Life is a really it's it's a not great game, but it's really mm-hmm. entertaining and it has like this charm to it that a lot of games just like don't have, frankly. And it like I always kind of saw it as like a reality show in a way because you kind of build these me's and just kind of let them loose in the world and they mm-hmm. do their own thing. And it's like, but the situations they stumble in and the little activities you can do are like so bizarre and weird. And it's just, like, the sandbox that you can just walk... Or, I mean, not really sandbox, because you're not making things, really. But, like, this world that you just watch that is of your own making. And Metopia kind of wants to do this, but in, like, a JRPG format. So, you start out alone, you have your own me that you make, and then eventually I get four, you have four party members, including yourself. And then along your journey, you cast these, like, pivotal roles, like, the arch villain, who's like this dark lord, he's like, oh, it, it lets you choose what me you want. So I chose like Hank Hill from my Tomodachi <laughs> life. Thanks. Nice. You, like that's one of the things I like is you can pick, like if you had a Tomodachi life save on your 3ds, like you can pick the me's from your Tomodachi life town and just kind of like embed them in. So I'm, that's kind of like how I've been going about it. Is oh, I'm just kind of relit, like giving them a new story to play through in a way and like second chance, but. And, like, at first, like, the like the first, I want to say, like, yeah, like, five to ten, maybe ten, if I'm being generous, like, hours are, like, endearing because it's, like, this really strange party system and the classes are super weird. Like, there's, like, a pop star class. <laughs> nice. And then there's also just, like, a typical, like, like cleric or, like, warrior. Like, they have, like, more standard ones, too. But, like, how they interact with each other is, like, really silly. Like, the pop star might, like, sing this tune that might, like, distract enemies. Mm-hmm. But, like, an enemy can be, like not phased by it and it'll be like oh it wasn't a hit for that enemy and i like it's like little bits that are like really like adorable and like a straightforward way but then as you get deeper in the story it does do a smart thing where it like recycles your party members and you get a chance to try out different classes and everything and that's kind of cool but it's like the jokes and the scenarios and the little like goofy things it's just like repeated so much and you Mm. just kind of see it endlessly for like dozens of hours and it and the jrpg system is not deep which doesn't bug me too much like i didn't expect this super complex thing uh but it just makes it it feels more grating when you're like this isn't even like funny or anything like this is just the same thing like it it's like 
the charm like really wears super thin and it's like a huge disappointment because I, I was looking forward to this game because I like Tomodachi like so much and I generally like things that the Mies are in like Mitoho mm-hmm. I didn't even hate but this is just like not great <laughs> it's a huge bummer it's like a huge bummer it's it's like funny like casting you know silly Mies into these like very strange roles but other than that it's like it's it's fun for screencast, but it's also a 3ds so your screen caps are gonna be like 400 pixels so you're not gonna look great so it's like, <laughs> yeah there's that yeah. the thing i don't understand is why it's so long like yeah it's so long i went into it expecting okay it's gonna be like 10 maybe 20 hours because of jrpg like that's seems right maybe with like some some aspect of replayability so you can go back and it's just like never ending like, i'm 30 <laughs> hours in and it's still going I'm pretty sure I'm at the I'm like in the last stretch now because like things have happened in the story and whatnot, but it's still like so long. It's kind of insane because I thought like earlier this week I was like yeah I'm like 15 hours and I must be closing it on the end. No way! Like I still had like so much to go, so that's why my review is a review in progress because I obviously have not finished the game yet, so I don't feel fair grading it as it is, but. Yeah, I'm not feeling it, and I'm. Pr- I guess I'm pretty deep. I don't think my opinion's gonna change really. Mm-hmm. I'm more like disappointed than like, oh, this game's bad. It's just like, uh, it could have been so much more, and it's not. Yeah, like, it sounds really like it could have been like charming and and fun, like yeah, like yeah. Uh, Tomodachi Life. That was a really fun game. It was uh, just really yeah. goofy. And like, I feel like I played Tomodachi Life a long time because I would play it every day, and mm-hmm. that had like a had it was able to keep my attention for a long time. And this is just not doing it's not scratching that same itch and it's yeah it's a bummer so it sounded like they had a really good idea that they pitched and they were like yeah no no your me's are like in a jrpg kind of party right mm-hmm. and get this like you can the enemies are more me's that you're fighting and you can have like so many jokes and they're like that's a great idea and then they got in and went oh this joke only goes so far <laughs> <laughs> yeah like the yeah, there's definitely, like, a really clever concept here where, you know, you're basically casting your own JRPG. Like, if you wanted, you could make Mies of, like, characters from another JRPG and just throw them all in here and just watch them all interact in these really, like, silly ways. Uh, but it just, like, doesn't have the legs, you know? It's, it, yeah, and then the little, like, incidental, like, natural things, which is, like, what I was looking forward to, like, the little jokes and, like, random events. Like, they just... Over time, you just see the same ones over and over again, and that's just yeah. <laughs> and also, the thing with Tomodachi Life, when you think about it, is uh, you had Nintendo's framing, but you also had a lot of user-created content. And in the yeah, context totally. of Nintendo's framing, it was usually mm-hmm. hilarious, like people just doing filthy songs and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I find that hilarious, but yeah, yeah. And like that, I going through like the Me Central stuff, which is pretty much what like well-designed Miis that people have, like, uploaded and whatnot. Uh, and there's, like, some really strange ones. There's, like, random anime characters and, like, celebrities. And, like, I like I kept coming across, like, Persona 5 characters. I was nice. like, oh, I guess I'm gonna throw these guys in here, too. <laughs> <laughs> one of my... It, oh, I was gonna it, say, one of my favorite things on uh, the Wii was uh, the Check Me Out channel. Do you remember that? 
Yeah, I remember that. I remember Didn't like you yeah. make a me like for different style, different themes, and people it, would vote for it. Yeah, but it, it would be like okay, make a me of Princess Peach, and like people would put in like these huge hairy male me's, like <laughs> who'd be posing next to the Princess Peach me's, and I just lost it every single time. So uh, that's what that was, that's what me humor really is. Yeah, that was when me's were still like this novel thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It was like, oh my god, I can create my own little character, and like. Like you would actually check in like every day to like do the voting thing. I I know I did. I did, yeah. <laughs> and Parrish sent me like a bunch of like he sent me like an card, I remember that. <laughs> I mean, it's been like a decade now, and it sort of feels like Mies have outlived their I don't know their yeah. lifespan a little bit. Like Nintendo kind of went, well, we did everything we could with these things. <laughs> You were well, expressing yeah. sadness that you felt like Miitopia was kind of a limp end to yeah. like their Mii-centric projects. Yeah, that's like, like going into this, that's kind of like how I was approaching it. It's like, oh, it's kind of like the last hurrah for Mii's, really. Because like, what, they're like buried in the, the Avatar menu for the Switch, mm-hmm. and you can play as them in Mario Kart, and that's pretty much it. Like, I can't, and it, they don't really have Mii's as the focus. Like, you don't see them like pedaling out Mii's or anything anymore. No. And I see, like, Miitopia is kind of like, uh, and it's on 3DS too, so it's like, now I found the new system, so it's kind of like, yeah, their last chance at success, or like, whatever, make people laugh, and it is unsuccessful. <laughs> I, I miss avatars, actually, because yeah. I think I was maybe the only person who actually liked the X- Xbox 360 avatars. <laughs> oh, I-, I liked them. I had a-, a pet dragon for mine. Yeah, it was cute to see all of my friends represented as various people that were like dressed up and everything. Like they were waving lightsabers mm-hmm. or wearing the costumes from Hitman or wearing like they said something about their personality. Like the sports mm-hmm. fans were all wearing the jerseys for yeah. their teams. Like you could tell what they really liked the most. And I spent so much time thinking about my Xbox 360 avatar for some reason. <laughs> yes, I even spent money on some of the clothes because yeah, so I'm just I. like, ah, I want to look good. Right? What, what jersey did you inevitably buy? I didn't wear a jersey. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was not going all sporto on my Xbox 360 profile. I don't even remember what I was wearing. Um, to be honest, it's been actually like seven years since I last thought, you know, about the Xbox 360 avatar. Cause like there was a, a point where the updates basically just minimized them yeah. more and more and more until they stopped like mattering at all. And then it was like, Oh, Xbox one just did away with them entirely. So I mean, they're relaunching them, aren't they? Yeah, I or think that so. That was like a big thing at E3 is like they're relaunching and rebranding their avatars. Oh. So, as long as yeah. I can bring so my they're dragon They're coming over. back, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's excited about it. Me. I'm excited. <laughs> I'll spend more money. More money on those dumb avatars. But uh, getting back to the Miis really quickly, I mean, there was that RPG that you could play um, mm-hmm. uh, in the Mii uh, the Mii. Avatar, the Mii Plaza. mini games. Yeah, yeah, the Mii oh, Plaza like the mini Street games. Pass stuff, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, okay, that was simple as simple could be, mm. but it was fun. Yeah, I, I didn't like finish it, but my husband did. And did you? I got to the end. I, I just thought it was cute to like see my little me going. Oh God, help me! Yeah, like being stuck <laughs> in the cage and everything. Um, it like some me's like I think Parrish was like 
level nine or something like that on like my 3ds so like he would always just go through multiple levels just by himself (laughs) it was rad i liked it i actually Um, used to change my clothes to white because so many people were lacking white attack so i wanted to help them out oh wow that's really (laughs) nice of you yeah even though what white is so dull the worst was when they were wearing something that like the black one that would just make the light go dark i think i think black was like useless yeah like you go come on be blue be blue, be red or blue, red or blue, red or blue. Black. Uh, or there was another one that would power up the Mies a- as they came in. Like, you had to you had to give it a little bit of thought, you, you know? Did. It was a fun little game, but it wasn't, like, $30 fun, and I think that's a problem by the sounds of it with Metopia. Yeah, like, I, I even compared uh, Metopia to, I think it's called Find Me uh, and, mm-hmm. in the review. So, like... I mean, it's more complex than Find Me, obviously, because it's just, like, those are just me's in a line. They have, like, two attacks or whatever. But I don't know. Like, I... It's just not deep enough. But, I mean, it's also, like, not really... I wasn't that appalled by it. I wasn't expecting, like, a super complex JRPG. So it can be one of two things. Either it can be really complex and really interesting, or it can be funny and light and whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you can't manage either of those things, it's like, what are you? Yeah, that, that's exactly the problem. Is it's like it doesn't really go too much on either end. And like, I would have been fine if it was just like funny and light, but it doesn't hold that for too long. So it's just like a big disappointment. Too bad. Yeah, oh, that's too bad. So uh, it sounds like Metopian, not a recommendation. <laughs> even if you're like going in with like a certain expectation of being like oh yeah whatever i'm just gonna hang out with my me's or whatever what a interesting interesting idea maybe maybe had some potential just from the standpoint of being funny in a do you remember the double fine rpg where like you're wearing the costumes and everything costume quest yeah yeah like i think maybe at its best it could have been like kind of costume questy mm-hmm as it were, but eh, eh, one big shrug. All right, last thing before we get to the world ends with you. Uh, Katie, you were playing Pyre, and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize this. It was billing itself as an RPG. Yeah, it's, and I didn't, I was, I haven't really heard much about Pyre, honestly, before. Like, I knew it was coming, and Mm -hmm. I played it at Day of the Devs, I think, last year, which is a local really all right and uh i play pyre there and i was like this is really weird this isn't what super giant like i'm used to from super giants are very much in the, like action or action not really rpgs like i guess action isometric kind of story driven yeah like story driven type stuff uh and pyre is like not that at all it's a it's mostly a visual novel but it has like tactical rpg stuff like of like stats and like there's like talismans and like abilities that you can or they're called masteries that you can equip to characters uh and at its core like the main like gameplay in it is like kind of like this like fantasy basketball soccer type thing <laughs> yay that, that's the thing i'm like going so okay weird. but it's like, so weird yeah like it's like this arena game thing kid it yeah it's and there, so how it, how it's kind of like set up is like it's like this fantasy world. It's like everyone's cast in this thing called the under or the downside, which is like this 
kind of purgatory, like, hell for people that aren't allowed in Commonwealth, which is, like, this rich utopia that's, like, up above somewhere. And these people are left to do these rites, which is, like, what these whatever fantasy basketball thing is. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically, like, there's two pyres, um, like, big flaming things on each end, and your goal is to grab an orb in the center of the arena, and then you throw it into, or, like, run it into into the other pyre. And it gets really complex and really interesting because, like, every character plays so differently in it, and it becomes this whole thing about, like, team composition and, like, okay, well, this character... They have, like, a lot of slow people, so I'm going to want a lot of fast people to, like, zip by them. But also, like, your fast people are weaker than stronger people. So it's, like, you have to do all this, like, kind of, like, mental math to, like, hmm. figure out, like, mm-hmm. what's, like, the best course of action, really. It gets pretty hard. Uh, and there's no game over, which is the most interesting part of Pyre, I think, is that when you lose, you just lose. And you don't, like, your penalty really is, like, oh, you're not getting as much like, experience. Mm-hmm. But, like, the story just goes on. Like, you don't. Unless you, like, save scum, like a cheater. But, <laughs> like, you just have to kind of deal with losing. And when you lose, like, repeatedly, it, like, feels bad. It's like, oh, my God, I'm doing so terribly. I need to, like, reevaluate what I'm doing. I need uh, to look at my life and just reevaluate my <laughs> choices here. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting game. I don't think it 100% sticks to landing story-wise and character-wise. Like, I think that's kind of a problem with all of Supergiant's games, though, is, like, the writing's not really that great and that's it's kind of a bummer because they're really good at building these really interesting worlds and scenarios and like the art's always amazing the music's always incredible and i thought the writing in bastion was pretty good i really liked bastion as a story yeah yeah i'm i'm like the opposite i mean i don't hate bastion it's just like bastion didn't hit me in the way that transistor did but even transistor i think has pretty weak writing uh, what, a, what what specifically about it is weak, do you feel? I just think the characters don't... They feel very one-note. Mm-hmm. Like, you meet them, and they're really endearing at the start, and then they're just the same. Like, they don't really... And you don't really get to know them. Uh, I think my problem with Pyre was, like, you spend so much time with these characters. Like, you have, like, a little wagon, which is kind of like your little hub, like, in between rights and, like, traveling and whatnot. And every now and then a character will show up in there and you can go talk to them for, like, an optional conversation. And sometimes they're, like, like pleasant little nice, like, silly things. Other times they'll, like, let you know a little bit about their history or their, like, backstory or their relationship with, like, another character. But they, I don't know, it just never, the characters never change. Like, they just kind of feel the same and you kind of wonder, like, what's the point of this fight like what's the point like trying to save these people if i don't know them at all like i'm kind of struggling to like aren't they usually kind of mute like they're (laughs) almost like ciphers right yeah yeah like the kid in in bastion was uh was very mute Mm -hmm. yeah but i mean i wouldn't call there was a scene there's a scene in bastion where you go into an area and you're just like fighting lots of enemies and Mm -hmm. the narrator is like telling telling you about the kid's life yeah i remember that while he's doing it it was, a, it was a really memorable scene and i thought it worked really really well yeah but maybe the weakness of that is the narrator is telling you rather than you actually getting some insight into this kid because mm-hmm. like the kid's not telling you themselves or you are not feeling 
or you're not hearing their internal monologue or you're just not getting a lot of insight into them. Like this narrator is telling you how you should feel about them. Well, there's also the fan theory that uh, Rux, who's the old guy, is the kid. He's stuck in a time loop. Oh, oh, is that it? <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I have not played Bastion in like six years, so yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's a plausible uh, theory. But, um, but so I suppose my counterpoint to that, Katie, is that like minimalism isn't always bad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's okay to be like to not necessarily know everything there is to know about these characters. To only have like a little bit of tidbit. But it sounds like it sounds like you don't have a good grasp on their motivations, and that's what's like kind of like kind of like bugging yeah. you. I like minimalism is totally fine in a lot of games. Like in a game like Metopia, like I don't even know these characters' like motivations. <laughs> you need like, to know their rich internal dialogues of the guy <laughs> that looks like Hank Hill with uh, a tank on his head or something. Pyre, I think because Pyre like positions its story as so important, and it's it's a visual novel like mostly, so it's like you're reading a lot about what about these characters and like their dialogue and everything. And there, there is, there is voice acting, but it's all in like gibberish. It's like a fake language. Hmm. Uh, so you're, which is fine. And then there's one, there's the only English you hear is at the start of every battle. And it's like the voice that you, the reader is hearing or whatever. And there you should just like, is it uh, uh, narrated by uh, Logan Cunningham? It, might be i'm not the same guy who did transistor and bastion so yeah it probably is honestly (laughs) uh but yeah i don't know there's just like it's it's a bummer because i there's so much i really love about pirate which is i feel like i had this problem with all super giants games like man there's so much i really love about this it just doesn't quite like cross that threshold Mm -hmm. but there's i feel like pyre is more back and forth than maybe their last games uh, because, like, Transistor, I feel like I ended up really liking because it felt, like, really focused. Uh, I think Pyre has, like, the opposite problem. It feels, like, too scattered and not focused enough. Uh, but that said, I do think it's, like, worth playing if you're, if you've liked any of Supergiant's games in the past. Right, which is me. Or if you like, G- or even if you like visual novels or JRPGs. It's, like, a super interesting, like, game. And, and it has, like, a lot it- of cool ideas. You said it had like RPG like progression and that kind of thing. Yeah, it it, it definitely does. Um, there's also like an interesting twist on RPG progression. I kind of spoiled it in my review. Uh, I probably, I won't spoil it here on the podcast because I don't think it's fair. But like in about a third of the way through the game, it starts doing this new thing, um, and it's like a really interesting twist on like how like JRPG progression in general and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of interested to know about this. I mean, yeah. you can read my. I, I put a spoiler warning. I don't. I'm not like super explicit, but I do. I'm like I can't really talk about this game without talking about this cool thing it does. <laughs> so it's in the review. Which one is your favorite, uh, Transistor, Bastion, or Pyre? I'd still say Transistor is my favorite. I also haven't played it in a few years though, so maybe if I played it now, I might feel differently. Um, I put Pyre second and Bastion last. I think Bastion's still my favorite, followed closely by Transistor. Yeah, um, I haven't played Pyre, obviously, so I need to like see my thoughts. Man, Bastion's been released on literally everything pretty now, much, which is yeah. actually yeah, pretty amazing. <laughs> Even managed to get onto mobile phones, which yeah. I'm just like, like, wasn't it a? It 
did not strike me as the kind of game that would work well on a mobile phone. <laughs> it, it worked okay. I was actually in the thick of my like mobile games writing career when it came out on phones, and that was a big deal. That was when it seemed like everything was going to happen on phones, and well, we all know how that turned out. <laughs> everything is still happening on phones, kind of. I mean, kind of. There's that kind just, of there. It seems like after Final Fantasy VII and, and Bioshock performed kind of badly on phones, everyone kind of said, you know what? Maybe this isn't a great AAA platform after all. Bioshock, Bioshock on phones? phones? It, it, it got pulled pretty fast. It was really bad. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I didn't know it came out on phones. That's yeah. crazy. That sounds bad. <laughs> it wasn't very good. I think I don't know if it was... Maybe it was tablet exclusive, but it was on mobile. Oh, weird. Oh. But a game that actually did work really well on mobile was The World Ends With You, the game that we're going to, to be that. talking about Until it got pulled because it wasn't working. <laughs> Okay, The World Ends With You came out 10 years ago, and it's an interesting game. Uh, So it came out in 2007 on the Nintendo DS, and it really was this throwback, right, to kind of an earlier period in Square's history. Um, By 2007, Square had become kind of a bit less, I suppose you would say, inventive um, with their games. Like, they were leaning really heavily on Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy, um, you know, known quantities, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's stuff that they were putting on handheld systems were spinoffs of those games. So it was interesting that they suddenly come up with this idea of a game. Um, it is ostensibly an RPG about a kid, like a modern-day teenager, fashionably dressed. Very fashionably dressed. <laughs> They're also achingly fashionable. In that uh, immoral way. Yes, in that very Nomura way, in that very 2007 kind of way, to be perfectly honest. Um, and it is set in Shibuya, which is, a, if you're not familiar, a district in Tokyo, a rather famous district in Tokyo. And like mm-hmm. the, the setting really defines the world ends with you. And at the time, maybe like I've said this on the podcast, I was living in Tokyo at the time. So... I walked past, like, the Scramble Crossing and everything. I saw all of that, like, literally every day on my way to work. I hung out in Shibuya a ton. Like, that was my main hangout spot. I love Shibuya. So, for me, this game spoke very strongly to me because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I know all these areas. And that was novel. That was Mm -hmm. a novel thing Mm -hmm. to be playing on the Nintendo DS, right? Like, at the time, like... Handheld games were not that, I would say, sophisticated, still to a great extent aren't. But on the Nintendo DS, it really stand, stood out, right? Because, first of all, it had this style to it. Yes. It, um, it had that Nomura style, but it was like really nice graphics, really nice art for a DS game. Um, it had this wonderful opening movie where you see Neku running through the city, like, and you see all the various characters that he's going to meet. Um, and it's playing that really nice The World Ends With You title because music is a huge mm-hmm. part of this game. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah, like I can get really into this, right? Um, and it immediately grabbed me. And there's so many interesting things that it does. But at the risk of like sitting here and monologuing about it for the next 30 <laughs> minutes, 
really quickly i just want to get your like individual first impressions of the world ends with you katie uh i so i played the world on you pretty late because i never had a ds i got a 3ds so mm. i it was like always one of those games i wanted to check out why'd you skip the ds out of curiosity i was poor uh, <laughs> that's a good reason she's katie uh, yeah, I got a 3DS when I started college, when I got my loan, my first loan. So I, I was a stupid <laughs> purchase, uh, one I don't recommend, but I mean, I was like... It's okay. I think I had, I think I had $70 in my account when I bought a GBA SP. Nice. Yeah, it's like, sometimes it's like, screw it, I'm just going to do it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, I got a job shortly after that, so it wasn't a big deal. Like, okay. Then I, yeah. So you missed Uh, out on it. So I missed out on like in its heyday, but I like as a lapsed fan of like the first Kingdom Hearts and just in general Square Enix games. I and it always like looked cool. Like I'm really into fashionable games like Jet Set Radio and obviously now Splatoon and stuff. Like that that's always been like a weird draw when a game like kind of like takes risks like stylistically. Uh, And yeah, I played it pretty late. And I was, like, blown away by it. I love the characters in that game, and I love the character progression. Like, like when you start out, like, the per- like Neku, I think his name is. It's mm-hmm. been so long yep. since I played it. Neku. Uh, he's, he's such a dick. Like, he's not. <laughs> he really is. Like, he's, like, a terrible person. And you're like, man, I hate this kid. But, like, he really, like, grows through that narrative. Mm-hmm. And, like, the structure of that game is, like, really interesting. And it's, like, something you don't. Like, I feel like I have not seen anything like it mm-hmm. ever since I played it. Uh, and, yeah, it's... And for a DS RPG, it's pretty good. And, like, graphically, uh, it, I don't know. Like, the style really shines in it. It doesn't... I mean, it definitely has an age to it, obviously, being, like, a game from for the DS. But it's... I don't know. It's, like, a really interesting different type of jrpg that you don't see that often mm-hmm. especially from like a major publisher or developer like square enix sds games go it um it's certainly still one of the better looking ds games to yeah, come out on that platform mm-hmm. and that was a long about time you, Nadia? ago gosh you know what i can't even remember the reason why i bought the game um because at first glance it's not something i would be into i'm not into fashion i'm not really into <laughs> angsty heroes especially back then my best guess is that I picked it up because I was, at the time, blogging for a long, defunct site, and I was a Nintendo blogger for them, so I figured, well, you know what, I should cover this, everyone was talking about it. And I just got really taken in by how different it was, and how, just, as you said, Neku's kind of a dick, but he, he grows, and he learns mm-hmm. quite quickly. And um, I love the music, music's fantastic. I, I love the battle system, I really enjoyed it. Um, I like the Shibuya setting. Um, I didn't realize it for until I played Persona 5, but uh, Shibuya reminds me a lot of uh, Toronto uh, at Young and Dundas, which is the same thing. It has a scramble crossing and the big buildings mm. and all the, the lights and garish things. No Hachiko statue, though. <laughs> but um, I actually got so into the game, that's, when I deti- that's what, actually when I determined that I was really done with Yahtzee's reviews, because he just spent like an hour trashing the game, saying it was just a typical JRPG, and I'm like, no, it's not. Are you kidding me? It is it's so it different. It is the opposite of it the... It is the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just the fact that Nomura was like in his element, like I can just picture this poor guy standing up with a pencil in one hand and a pad in the other, saying, my time has come! <laughs> because everyone, yeah, everyone looks stupid, but they're supposed to. And I love how armor 
is like fashion, like actual fashions from yes. that. That was great. It was just a really odd, weird game, and I really you never really see the likes of it ever again. I like that Neku can wear the girls' clothing, but yeah. you just have to get the confidence up really high. Yeah. But if you can do that, if you can do that, if you can get his confidence up really high, but I think feeding him ramen, I think that's how you get his confidence <laughs> yeah, I think that's up, what, maybe. I, I remember eating a lot of ramen in that game for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you're always eating, like, food. Um, yeah. If you can get his confidence high enough, you can put him in a dress, and that's, like, one of the best outfits in the game. <laughs> But yeah, no, like you were both saying that Neku's a total dick, and he really is a total dick. Uh, right from the beginning, like you see him, he's like kind of slouched over, he's wearing these headphones, he's always got the headphones on, God knows what he's listening to, and he's immediately paired with this girl named Shiki, um, who seems kind of ditzy initially, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my god, these, this pairing, like what is going on? Like he's a complete complete jerk to her it is just constantly awful to her and she's trying to put on these airs of being kind of a ditz but then as the week goes along because you you have a time limit right like each er, er, each event like takes place over the course of a day and you're like completing these missions uh that are being given to you and you don't really know why um, and then eventually it comes out, uh, and this is a spoiler, and if you don't want to hear spoilers for a decade-old game, then I suggest that you go pick it up and play it. Um, it comes out that you are dead. You died, Shiki is dead, everybody in this game is dead, and you are playing in a Hunger Games slash Battle Royale style kind of game to come back to life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, at the end of this week there's can only be one only one gets to have their life back like they're having me partner with this person yeah but at the end of the day i'm probably gonna have to betray them this it's gonna be interesting right so and as the week progresses like something happens you actually kind of get to liking these people like you kind of go oh these people aren't so bad and that's one thing i also really liked about the game is that that week he gave you a real sense of urgency like you have a goal and you better meet it or i think they make mm-hmm. under they make you realize under no uncertain terms that the alternative is oblivion yes exactly like that so the stakes are laid out for you from the start but and you think that you kind of have a feel for where the game is going mm-hmm. but it keeps changing things on you yes so you make it through the first week and at the end of the first week you fight a boss but then week two like everything changes Mm -hmm. and you get a whole new partner and so one of the things that's interesting about this game is like you have there's you and then there's your partner on the top of the screen and they're doing things and you kind of have to do the battle system in rhythm to what they're doing yeah and after you spend a whole bunch of time with that character and as they power up, you start to feel like, yeah, yeah, like, okay, I got I got this rhythm down. I got this rhythm down with this character. But then you get a new character, you get Joshua, and you're like, I feel totally out of sync with you. I don't I don't understand. Like this battlesome, you feel weak. I'm a ski. What the hell's going on? Was Joshua the is- one with the silver hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I always like the way he would say, have fun, Neku, when you start, like, fighting. <laughs> he was an even bigger dick than Neku. <laughs> yes, he was. He was a jerk. Very true. Uh, and I don't know if that was intentional. I'm going to say that it was. 
but it's one of the better examples of the character's feelings of how the character is supposed to be feeling translating into the actual gameplay that I have seen. Oh yeah, I always that was another thing that I really liked about it. Was it felt almost like almost like a rhythm game, but not quite. Yes, but it was like a really interesting way to kind of mechanize like how you're getting to know these people, and all like throughout the week, you're like, oh, okay, I'm, in, I'm feeling this rhythm. I'm we're compatible now. We're getting semi getting along or whatever. But then, like once you get to you get a new partner, it's like, oh, this is not not right. Like this doesn't feel yeah. good. Uh, and you're yeah. kind of like working through those machinations again. And it's that's a real it's a really smart way to like, I guess yeah, like mechanize like hat like JRPG parties in a way like, mm-hmm. and how characters get along or don't get along, and if they're compatible or not compatible. And, like, you are growing and getting better along with the character in the game, too. Yeah, thematically, it was a really interesting RPG as well, because it starts off very cynical, but mm-hmm. as you go on and on, well, the the title of the game becomes apparent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the battle system itself, like, since we're talking about it, uh, what did you guys think of it? Because it was kind of controversial in its day. Um the, the basically, so the thing about The World Ends With You is that it takes advantage of literally every piece of the Nintendo DS. <laughs> it no really kidding. felt like, it really felt like Square Enix like looked at this, the, this, the DS, which was relatively new back, you know, mm-hmm. 2005, 2006 and said, mm-hmm. look at all this cool stuff. Let's make a game <laughs> like just around all this stuff. So we're going to have a touchscreen game. You're going to be using the stylus um, and you like draw patterns to make the, the actual pins do things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to use the mic. If you yeah, touch the mic. the mic, like it'll actually do like a whole bunch of damage or if you yell I into it. I forgot about that. Yep. <laughs> Stupid um, mic. And perhaps most crucially, it uses the tools, the two screens. And at mm-hmm. the time, the DS was like, oh, uh, yeah, the DS is cool and everything. And I like the second screen, but all anybody ever uses the second screen for is maps. Yeah. Right. And then, so, 2007 comes around, and it's like, uh, no, um, this game will have the main battle on the bottom screen, and you're going to be drawing Neku around, mm-hmm. and, like, attacking using the stylus, and I gotta say, I scratched up my DS screen really well, <laughs> playing with I those pins, going, going scribble, 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 and the top screen is the other character doing something right like um and what that amounted to was it's initially really confusing yeah i remember having a hard time at first but But uh, what it came down to was just eventually just like kind of tapping along on like the the left d-pad arrow um (laughs) while like also kind of drawing along onto the screen in the bottom and it was a little awkward i'm not gonna lie but it eventually kind of came around to it what do you think of it katie uh yeah it's definitely a weird because there's no other system would like it yeah but i I also like came to it late so i was like i had played like rhythm heaven and stuff so i was Mm -hmm. like i've kind of had the experience of these weird dual screen games and whatnot before uh so i probably wasn't as like surprised about but as like you both were as like playing it around its release and everything um but it is like a super strange, especially for like an RPG, like because it's not like quite turn based, but it's not quite like action. It's like kind of weird, like mm-hmm. it's its own thing, and which is kind of cool. It's, it's very unique. 
uh, Mike stuff's really stupid. But, uh, <laughs> Mike stuff always was stupid. There's yeah, no way. Yeah, I was like, Mike stuff. I don't think it's ever been good. So the worst impl- implementation of the mic was um, in Spirit Tracks, where you had to actually oh, blow on it that was to terrible. make the the harmonica. It was like a wind flute. It was or a panpipe. Like it was a panpipe. The panpipes. Yeah, and here's the thing. I adore Spirit Tracks. I, I love it. I don't care. But the last boss battle was impossible because of that stupid gimmick. Yeah, I was on a train trying to finish the game. Or sorry, I was on a bus trying to finish the game and I think the bouncing of the the bus like was actually making the panpipes activate or something like that. So I wasn't actually I was having a hard time, let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I can understand why. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just so much at work in this game, right? Like there's so many systems kind of interlocking but it feels uh, i guess i want to say like it works right it mm-hmm. really really works i like one of the cooler things is you could scale the enemy levels yes and it's like oh you can make the enemy really easy relatively speaking but you're not going to get many rewards out of it whereas if you like cranked them to like ultra nightmare level like from on on an encounter basis like I mean, yeah, yeah, it was, it was extremely difficult, but it was so satisfying <laughs> to beat them. Well, with me and the battle system, uh, one way to put it is that, yes, as Katie said, I played the game very early. Um, and it was a game that was quite early in, in the DS's uh, lifespan. In fact, it was one of the first games to really justify the DS, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, put it this way, with Dawn of Sorrow, when you had to draw those stupid seals to like seal the uh, the boss characters, I was so frustrated with that, and it was obviously such a tacked-on gimmick. But I realized, okay, this touchscreen thing can really work with with the world ends with you. That was the game that convinced me. Okay, this isn't like some useless thing. Yes, I, I thought it was cool. Let's see, let's see. I thought it was cool that fashion was cool in different mm. parts of Shibuya. Mm-hmm. And you would get boosts, if I recall correctly, for wearing certain fashion in certain parts of yes. town at certain yes. periods. Yes, there was definitely fads going on. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, you know, clothes fell in and out of fashion. And as they fell out of fashion, they became less, I don't know if the word was powerful, but just uh, mm-hmm. they became less, like, charged. <laughs> it was just a really yeah. weird, really <laughs> unique game. There was also that mini game. Um, and I don't remember, but you would use the pins and like try to knock the other pin into. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I forgot about that. I don't think I played yeah. that very much, but I'm glad it existed. <laughs> pin battles? Why the hell not? It's like Beyblades, but with pins. <laughs> and they don't spin; they just sit there. Speaking of fashion, I feel like the world ends with you is really like Nomura as most realized, like his. He's not going like zipper crazy. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a little bit peak like, Nomura, but Zipporah. Did you just call him Zipporah? <laughs> but like, uh, the I don't know, like the character designs and like the fashion, and it's just like it feels like a very cool game. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I think some of his games just feel really scattered, or his character designs just they're not like a. It's like, oh, man, there are so many zippers on Sora, and why is that? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, but like with like this game, it feels all practical. And it really like, does. Oh, it's like it's like this wouldn't per se ex- like exist in. Ac- I mean, it might, but like it wouldn't per se exist in actual Shibuya. But it 
it could just like feels if yeah like it could and it feels trendy for this like weird game purgatory world or whatever (laughs) uh i don't know it it just feels it looks cool and it feels cool and like when it mechan like when it's like oh you need to be wearing like this kind of thing in this Mm -hmm. neighborhood and you know it's it's cool it's it's a cool looking game (laughs) i will i will defend namora when necessary and the world enters you (laughs) is one reason uh another reason is when he is when his head is right when it's on right he does some good stuff like I really love the way in Final Fantasy VIII, which is not a game I love, but I love the way he designed Squall and and Laguna to purposely be opposites, polar opposites to each other, and that's something you never see in in JRPG. The father and the son are always, like, so alike, but in Final Fantasy VIII, they are so different, and Laguna just wears this, you know, I don't want to say it's normal, because it's not, but he just wears a very sensible, for Square Enix, Laguna's a dork. He's a total (laughs) dork. I love Laguna. But Dumbass. he's like a very handsome dork. He's a very handsome dork. Yeah, I admit it. I would I would venture to say he's the best looking guy in that entire game. But he's a total dork. One hundred percent. But Namora can do good work when he wants to. I think he has to have someone rein him in sometimes. Yeah, Otherwise, it's a town. If we can back to the characters really quickly, um, one of the things I found interesting, like I think one of the main themes of this game is kind of look below the surface of what's going on. Like mm, definitely, like it initially puts out that say Neku's a jerk, uh, Shiki is shallow, like, but pretty like see middle of the week, it kind of comes out that that is not actually what Shiki looks like. That mm-hmm. is like that is what her friend looked like, and like Shiki like basically hated who she looked like and who she was so much that she basically came out looking like her friend because she like idolized her and then she was like yeah i was trying to play this like kind of ditzy role but that's not me and honestly this body is not me but it's what i look like now or something i mean what do you guys think of like how they handled that aspect that reminds me a whole hell of a lot of zach and cloud because it was very Mm -hmm. much the same thing going on cloud hated who he was so he became zach literally so, so you're saying that there's a lot of self-loathing going on over in the Square Enix headquarters. Yeah, I, I wonder about that. But that's an, <laughs> is it, I, I find it kind of interesting, don't get me wrong, but uh, it's interesting to use that again. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's face it, a lot of people don't like who they are. So I could see hmm. that sort of thing happening in an alternate world where you can kind of change what you look like. It, it, did, it, it, it was like a shock, but it also like doesn't feel like this crazy out-of-place thing. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it, it's, it's like, okay, this... Cause, I feel like there's almost something underneath the surface. Like, yeah, she's kind of like a ditz, but, like, you kind of get the feeling that there's something more going mm-hmm. on. Like, you know, like, it's not 100% there. And then when the reveal happens, it's like, oh, okay, it kind of makes sense now. Like, you, like thinking back and whatnot. And we also had some good villains as well. Like, you had um, uh, So Zeta Slow... <laughs> the 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 game master who was like obsessed with numbers um who was also kind of a a maniac like he was like psychotic uh you had josh and like you're like going what is what is josh was um like what's his deal like what's what's he trying to accomplish exactly and the game like is actually really cagey about that aspect Mm -hmm. and this is a this is very a very nomura thing and i don't 
I don't know if this was like his idea, but like it's something that you see a lot in Kingdom Hearts as well, where like the 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 full extent of the story isn't really revealed unless you like play through literally everything in the game and then you go and you get like lots of papers and stuff <laughs> and then just like actually read through it and even when you're reading through it it doesn't entirely make sense yeah go find trash on the floor <laughs> and then well, no like you had to do these there were like side there was like end game side quests mm-hmm. that you had to do that were like pretty interesting um and then you had like the two um the the two reapers because like the people yeah. who were running the game that you were trapped in were called reapers and you had the two reapers who were ostensibly running the game but they ha- kind of had their own agenda like yeah uh, there was an interesting cast going on here like um and it felt like they kept upping the stakes because there are three solid weeks of in-game time as it were and each time they managed to crank the tension Mm-hmm. just a little bit more and it, it i don't often get like really absorbed in a story but that was definitely an example of an rpg that like just had me like completely absorbed until the end because i i didn't know where they were going to go next with it it, it was yeah. interesting it was fun it was interesting it was it was a very well-paced game i remember that mm. much for it it was a well-paced game yeah, earlier I mentioned the structure of it was, like, one of the things I really liked about it. And I feel like that, that like, kind of time-sensitive, weak structure was, like, part of it. And it ma- it helps the pacing a lot. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, contrary to something like Persona, where it's, like, sometimes it can feel, like, too long, you know? But, like, the world ends through, like, takes its time, but not, it doesn't overstay its welcome. Like, yeah. It's, it's, like... Like thirty hours or something, right? I don't. Maybe I'm. It was an extremely that, long RPG, no, but it was it was a good a good chunk of time, but it wasn't too yeah. long. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't have been more tight, than twenty five hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's like tight by JRPG standards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, it doesn't feel like too short or incomplete or anything, or it doesn't feel like too long either. But mm-hmm. the opposite spectrum, it's kind of like it feels like the perfect length. Uh, like they could have, like they probably could have shoved another week in there, but I don't think they needed to. Like they had. They had what they needed. They had what they needed, yeah. They had the right character development, the right characters in there. Uh, And another thing is, like, there's not... I mean, there's a lot of characters, but I feel like in terms of the characters you get to know, like, it's really condensed in a way, and you get time to really get to know, like, one person at a time. And I Mm kind of like that framing of it, too, because you're not juggling all these different people at once, you know? It's like you're kind of slowly getting to know other people but also but mostly your companion is kind of who you're learning about mm-hmm. and growing comfortable with over time mm. can we talk about the soundtrack really quickly because it's awesome the world ends with you has an excellent soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> it really and does. i think my favorite part about it is that the music not only changes from battle to battle mm-hmm. which like, it's really engaging, it's really catchy, etc. But it also changes from battle to battle, which is something that you don't get from... Um, which is something you don't get with JRPGs nearly enough. Mm-hmm. And then also, it is something that... Like, it grows and increases over time, right? Like, it like changes like from week to week. So you get like whole new pieces of music whole new battle themes, etc. 
um, in week two and then some more in week three, et cetera. So. Yeah. The soundtrack's killer and it, it's so good. Like that's one of the, like I, I like there's a lot of good JRPG soundtracks there, but that's probably maybe the genre that like, gets the best soundtracks consistently. But I don't know. The world in the is like one of those rare soundtracks that I would just like put on in the background while we did other yeah. stuff. You know, it was like one of those soundtracks that I would listen to outside of the game, which is, pretty rare for me like otherwise it's just like jesuit radio or like katamari <laughs> like it's pretty rare for a game soundtrack to really hit and be like i want to listen to this in my free time too not just in the context of this game i started listening i started writing um a retrospective for the site which should be up now um as of the recording of this episode and like i as soon as i started writing it i had to put on the soundtrack yeah and i mean it was super cool back in the you know the ds days right because like that was such a new thing to have music with lyrics on the nintendo ds like actual (laughs) vocal music as opposed to just kind of the you know 16-bit soundtracks that you're used to on the gba another example was um elite beat agents when that came out and you're like oh my like at the time i'm like going oh my god how, how can they fit this vocalized music on this tiny cartridge? This is incredible. This is amazing. So just, just like I, I couldn't believe that they could fit videos onto it. It, it was a game changer. But man, and the world ends with you had a giant soundtrack as well. Yeah, it's it's pretty vast. Like at, like what you mentioned when it changes like week to week, and I think that's like a good. It was a good way to also make it feel really different and in a way like reflect like oh, you're not with, like, the same person anymore. And it, like, almost feels like a whole, not, like, a whole different game, but just, like, you're really progressing in the story and in this world. And it help it, like, helps really unify it and, like, keep every, like, chapter really feeling like a chapter, you know? And not feeling like, oh, I'm just progressing in the same game. All right, so this this conversation is getting a little long. I mean, I could probably sit here and like hash over the world ends with you's like various details like all day long, but um, like kind of final thoughts, like summarize it for me. Uh, Nadia, like what made this game so interesting to you? Uh, it was just so so different. It it really tried something different and it succeeded in, in nearly every possible way. I found the battles a little bit repetitive sometimes, but generally um well since talking about it i really want to go back and play it again so that's usually a good sign katie yeah i i mean i yeah like going to late i probably wasn't as like super wowed by the dual screen stuff as like a lot of people Mm -hmm. were but it was so unique and just real like the story's really good and the characters are really good and it's just this really lively world and it's so like hip and cool in ways that games like very rarely are Mm -hmm. and it's i don't don't really know how to like sum it up like why i like it it's just like it kind of like ticks all the boxes for me in a way like i don't know like i kind of have these like i really like games that are super creative and also games like great soundtracks and really like some aspect of gameplay that i enjoy or something that does something that it feels fresh or new and the world ends near like really does all that and it's not too long it's not too short it's just kind of like that perfect length uh and yeah it's a great game now i'm like talking about it now it just makes me want to go back to it <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way of putting it, Katie. Like you said, this game ticks all the boxes for me. Like, it totally ticks all the boxes for me. Like, it is super cool. It has really good music. It moves at a great pace. It has this really absorbing story. Like, it makes it me, like, be able to easily kind of look past the fact that the battle system's a little wonky and a little weird, mm-hmm. and ultimately kind of comes down to finding the right combination of pins and scribbling a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of scribbling going on for the battle system. But uh, you know what? I do like how it embraces fashion, whereas most games are kind of fashion-reverse, and I say that as someone who doesn't know <laughs> a friggin' thing about fashion, but I-, I just liked how confident it was. Though, if NECA's going to wear a dress, goddammit, then it should be reflected on the screen. Come on. Yeah, come on, people. <laughs> uh, you know, you were mentioning in the Supergiant games, Katie, that you didn't feel like the characters were really growing or changing in any meaningful way or didn't have an arc. The characters in this game definitely have an arc. Mm-hmm, like, And it's like multiple arcs. Like, You have the week-long arcs, which are interesting in the end of themselves and can actually almost become an interesting story by themselves. But then you have the full game arc. And at the very end, when Niku finally takes off its headphones and joins the group, like it actually feels kind of earned. Yeah. So in that respect, like I think The World Ends With You is a phenomenal game. And if you missed out on it the first time, you should absolutely go and play it. And you know what? Like, I used to be like, man, just give me a sequel. Give me a sequel. Give me The World Ends With You too. Come on, do it. Like, (laughs) I'm I'm over that. Don't need it. I'm good. I, I don't like as far as I'm concerned, this game was everything that I ever wanted out of it. Um, I don't need a sequel. Like it just ends. It wraps up perfectly. So it uh, it came at a really good time too, because that was a time when I didn't have a lot of confidence in Square Enix. Because as you said, they were really mm-hmm. kind of going back on their old properties and not doing anything new with them. So it was really refreshing to see they still had it. They could still do it if they wanted they to. Still got it. Mm-hmm. Still got it. The world ends with you. Was pulled from the iTunes store. I don't know what the situation is now, but there was a long time where uh, they pulled from the store because it wasn't working. Basically, mobile games have this big problem where Apple updates the iOS and uh, mm. they don't give a damn about the games. They have this huge market they just don't give a shit about. So mm-hmm. all these games break and it was a it was a big thing because World Ends With You, of course, is a great game. Lots of people love it. Lots of people wanted to play it on mobile and they couldn't play it anymore and Square Enix couldn't or wouldn't fix it. It was a big mess. I don't know if it's there now. I'd, I'd love to play it if it was. It's still there. Okay, so they put it back. That's good. Nice. Yep, I can see it right now. Um, and I would say that this is the one you want to get because um, while it was buggy when it first launched, they remastered um, it. Yeah, they re- it's a remastered version, so it has HD sprites and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has an expanded soundtrack. Mm-hmm, that's right. And I would I would I would venture to say the battle system is better uh, on the iOS port, like. Because it does not have the tool screen. You have the two characters there together doing mm-hmm. their thing, um, which I think maybe works a little bit better, to be perfectly honest. You lose kind of that meta aspect, I suppose, of like syncing up with them and like kind of learning their styles a little bit. But it's not as cumbersome, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to <laughs> say. Um, and it looks good. So. Yeah, it does look good. It looks very good. But however you do it, World Ends With You, 10 years old, phenomenal RPG certainly one of the best that Square Enix has put out in the past 15 years and I I cannot recommend it enough
Okay, as always, we're going to read the comments from the people who have been following the show. Uh, Uberosaurus says, Uberus? Uberus? Sorry. <laughs> I like the idea of the show being live. Hope it becomes a semi-regular feature. Like, okay, we got one, like, uh, thumbs up from that one, Nadia. Woo! People like our faces. Yes. We didn't shatter any cameras. <laughs> nah. Uh, Frost840, I've tended not to be all that interested in the RPG discussions lately. No games are really catching my eye at the moment, plus I'm drowning in gaming backlog. But I'm always interested in hearing more about the Persona 4 Golden Chrono Trigger playthroughs. Is there any chance you guys can put together compilations of each of the reports? Working on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'll, I'll work on, I'll, I'll see about making a Chrono Trigger and a Persona 4 Golden uh, report. Like, just straight up compilation that will be on the feed that you can download and just have. Um, and, uh, somebody else, uh, I've had a few people asking if we were going to ever do a Persona 5 report, um, also maybe working on it. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Like, I, I have not finished the game, but my participation is not necessarily needed. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just say that. Um, this is, question is for you, Nadia. Uh, Rider Kicker wants to know who is your son Persona of choice. Basically, did you join the music club or the drama club? Oh, I joined the music club, um, okay. and I kind of regretted it because I forget the name of the the, the chick who I who I eventually the chick partnered up with. But she was really the trombone mousy. player. Yeah, <laughs> she was really mouse. Are you judging her on her looks? She was okay. Come on, she was okay. But I, I kind of got tired of how un, of how like she kept kept being herself up, and I was like, oh, girl, come on. I should have joined the drama club because I hear there's a whole bunch of drama, like in, in, <laughs> in every respect. <laughs> What about but, you, Katie? Did you go Sun or the other? Which I did sun? music. I don't even like really remember anything from that Arcana, so I guess that shows it. I just remember <laughs> she would be it. she would be standing by the bus stop to like you know with a little ex- exclamation mark over her head and it'd be yeah. like yep, just kind of make a make a big path yeah. around her and go see like uh, uh, yeah Kanji I don't or think something. I maxed that one. Yeah, I she had a trombone. She was sad. She wanted friends. <laughs> God, you're so mean. <laughs> The only it's reason like high school all over again. Ugh. Yeah, did you hear about I that girl with the trombone? Kind of mousy, isn't she? My <laughs> uh, router kicker says, anyway, the announcement that the last P4 and Chrono Trigger reports made me want to finish P4 okay. Golden already, and it turns out I was smack in the middle of Marie's dungeon. It was easier than I thought as the party was in the 90s. The enemies made you think a little more intelligently about causing all-out attacks for the sweet relief of the cup cards. However, when all was said and done, I did not bother to enter the final dungeons. I wanted to save it for my next playthrough when I would have more than that boss to fight. Regarding Chrono Trigger, Kat's discussion earlier this year, I finished the DS game then. You laughed at my getting all of those mega elixirs, and it paid off! When I attempted to get three of the game's other endings, including the developer's room, and Chrono's mom getting sucked into the time vortex... I have a few more endings, but I will probably not bother anymore. I hope Kat and Nadia can do a race for Persona 3 Fez or Portable for the next challenge. Ah, I'd be interested in playing that one. That's Katie's favorite, by the way. She likes the dark, moody one. Yeah, that's my that's my shit. Satellite <laughs> <laughs> uh, of Love. You broke Chihei's heart, you monster. That's how you get galactic puntage, you know. And he says we should play Divinity Original Sin 2, which I, I think that's the plan when it comes out in early September. Um, oh, it's coming out in full, yeah. Yes. Um, 
And Regrapolis says it was confused about my argument that Chrono Trigger has the best turn-based RPG combat. He said, what's so great about it? It's flashy and fast, but so are mobile games. And I said, well, I didn't say it was flashy and fast. I said it's elegantly constructed and offers lots of interesting party construction opportunities. Also, it offers enormous flexibility in terms of encounter design, which is reflected in the wide range of boss battles. It would be nice if it put a little more emphasis on status effects, buffs, debuffs, rather than pure damage. But otherwise, I think it's excellent. Chrono Trigger battle system is really good. Katie, do you care much about battle systems or are you just like, as long as it's not obtrusive, I don't care? I think it depends because there's sometimes when I really gravitate towards really unique battle systems. Like, that was probably one of my favorite things about Persona 5 is like, wow, the battles are like actually fun in this game. Mm-hmm. As like, opposed to like in the past Persona games, like you just kind of go through it and it's fine. Uh, I wouldn't say it's like my what I go to games for uh, per se or like JRPG specifically, but a good battle system really does go a long way because it's like mostly that is what you're doing. That's one thing I bounced off Final Fantasy 15 about is like I didn't like the action combat like at all really. And yeah, it's super easy. You just you don't really die ever, and that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I but yeah I I. I kind of teeter. Like I, I, I will. Pre- I appreciate a unique, good battle system. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I would say I'm generally in the, like as long as it's not like obtrusively bad camp. Like I can probably put up with it. Okay. And with on that note, that's the end of our episode. Access the Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are sold. Please subscribe to us. Leave a review. We love you. Oh, and we're gonna start posting our podcasts on youtube which is uh so yeah you should go check out our youtube channel us gamer net if you want to you know like be listening to them there or something i i don't know um i I suppose there are a few people who enjoy listening to podcasts on youtube channels maybe while they're at work or something like that so in any case we're going to start doing that starting with this episode i think so go uh go like it uh, was it likes, comment, and subscribe to episode <laughs> the Blood God? Um, click that like button. Yes, click it, click it, click it. Like, 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 like. Uh, the Blood God will love you. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. You can find Nadia on at Nadia Oxford, and you can find Katie at you may Katie. Um, quick update on our other podcast. Uh, we recorded a test episode. We are going to, we, we're working out the kinks at the moment. We are still going to do it, um, maybe in the next week or two. So keep an eye out for that. And also we're streaming more. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are streaming the games. We Last week we all got together and we were playing Splatoon 2 uh, somehow, <laughs> despite the matchmaking. And this week we were playing, uh, let's see, we were playing Overwatch. We were checking out Doomfist. We're, we're going to be mostly focusing on multiplayer games because those stream really well. But we will be doing other games as well. Uh, usually a couple of us, sometimes a whole group of us, like we might do doing some team competitions. I'm going to wreck all of y'all and Nidhogg 2, and it's going to be great. You probably are. <laughs> US Gamer Nidhogg 2 Tournament Go! <laughs> um, next week, we'll be back, as usual, to talk more RPGs. And until then, for Katie, Nadia, and myself, thanks for listening. Keep on playing those RPGs, and we'll see you again. Happy adventuring.